And welcome to the Men Up Podcast. I am Christian Shabu. And I am Lamar Wamba. What up, y'all? And today, TMU fam, we have a very special guest on. This man is my brother from another mother and father, <laughs> my friend Chet Alexander Kincaid, who is of the Bahamas, as we like to call him, Bahamian. Uh, he is a media commentator, creative storyteller. Uh, you can find Chet interviewing talent in movies and music on thatgreatjuice.net. He does a great job with that. And he loves also giving his opinions on entertainment and cultural topics through his own personal website, The Kid K Journal. I would love for you all to welcome once again, my friend and brother, Chet Alexander. Kid Kate is in the house. Let's go. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Let's let let let's get it. So so as you know, Chet, we've been having a lot of conversations this season around uh, manhood and masculinity, and uh, you know we wanted to have as many perspectives and and diversifying opinions and thoughts around the topic that as we can. And so, you know, I just want to start by just kind of asking you uh, yourself, like when you hear the words manhood and masculinity. Um, like what what comes to mind for you and, and where does your mind go? Hmm. Where should I start? <laughs> <laughs> where should you start? <laughs> well, How much time all, do you have? Right. <laughs> so for me, when I hear those words, to me, it's a societal construct, quite honestly. And I think it's also something that intensifies based on your environment, whether you are raised in a more conservative environment or a liberal and I also think that it's something that's changed because I feel like what manhood and masculinity meant for me at 15 years old is much different today than what it means for me today at 32 years old. So when I hear those words, I think it's basically time and environment and society that are you know, telling what people who identify as men should be. So you said it's different then than it is now. Um... How and why for you is it, why is it different? Well, basically I would say the media, um, social media at that, I feel like with more being more accepting of people being gay, which is not necessarily gender. Well, it's not gender, but it allows men because you see the trends now, like men who identify as straight are able to wear nail polish, uh, they wear dresses, and the fashion, I mean, more if you're in the entertainment scene or fashion scene. And I just think like the reins have loosened up just a little. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and that's something that, you know, me personally, like I identify with. I think I spent a lot of time this year, mm -hmm. like defending men that are choosing to make in the eyes of most straight men decisions that would not align with like the average Right. cisgender straight male particularly mm -hmm. black man mm -hmm. um in america around nail polish and dresses and mm -hmm. skirts and like having that whole conversation so yeah i totally agree you grew up in, in the bahamas can you talk to us about what that is like in terms of like what the expectation of men is in the bahamas but also like as a gay man like what how does that how does that switch and change being a male gay in the Bahamas 
like what what are the dynamics there from when you were when you you know when you first kind of became a man to to being who you are now and having to exist in that space right so like as you mentioned i was born and raised in the bahamas 1989 left the bahamas 25 years later in 2014 but um that's my environment i want to start with my household so my father um my father and my brother i can always say are the only two men that i actually look up to and then you know i've said to you before like outside of that man who i admire you are one of them because uh, as far as a man like you are a, a stunning example of that um just all around but so my father um he was american white american i think that does make a difference to be quite honest where was he born he was born in philadelphia but was raised in manassas virginia ah and so like to give you an idea of who my father sort of was like in his early years because my father had me at age 56 so technically when he was like the age of a grandparent is when he had me so the version that i received of him and his influences and how strict he was with me is not the same that he was with my brother and my other siblings even though he had daughters um, besides my brother and so just you know the succession that show on hbo logan roy he was something similar to that, but much less means and a Southern version of that. Think that in the cross between George Bush, take for that. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Chet, you, you just painted a very specific example of your dad. Not very favorable. Let's, let's just be clear. Take from that. <laughs> but yet he had children with two black women. So take from right. that. Fair and, and we do know George Bush has a thing for has a thing for Michelle Obama now. So right, right. So take from that what you will. So, but like growing up, um, my father and I, my father was a pilot, he was an engineer, he had his own plane, he used to fly every weekend, we used to go and do touchdowns all around. So I every Saturday I was at the airport with my father. Like I can call off every type of plane that I could see like just at age five six years old I was able to look at a Gulf Stream and point at it and be like daddy that's the Gulf Stream that's a Boeing 737 and you know I always had all these model cars like a Mercedes like all these different things um and then toy planes as well so it wasn't like I mean there wasn't any masculine influence in my life because I was very much a daddy's boy or a daddy's princess <laughs> depending on how you look at it because I was his youngest and my mother's only but then also I had my mother's strong influence who is a black woman a black Bahamian woman West Indian woman there is a sense of hyper masculinity within that and you would think that my mother would be the most nurturing when it comes to softness and Maybe when I was younger, but as I started to get older and develop more, she really started to take on that role of, well, why aren't you doing this? Boys do this at this age, when my father was just always so free-flowing and accepting of me. And then also, um, sorry to put my parents on blast, but I was also left home to my devices by myself at a very young age, less than 10 years old. And, you know, I would explore. Um, I had full range of direct TV and we had all the channels, all of them, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Playboy. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> HBO, all of those things. Cinemax. <laughs> right? All of these things. And, you know, uh, I would go into my parents' closets. Yes, both of them. I would try on my father's loafers. 
but I would always, I also would try on my mother's heels and I've never shared that before. Mother, don't be too embarrassed. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. So that was my um, home experience. And then I went out into the Bahamian society. My environment and schooling was very sheltered for the first 10 years of my life. Um, and me mentioning these things like going to private school, that's not a brag or anything. That's just what my reality was. So I went to private school for the first 10 years of my life. And throughout my entire schooling life, I've just been at private institutions. And the first one was majority white. And it was just, when I think back on the whole race issue, that's a whole separate topic. But um, I always felt like, you know, a lot of people get upset with me because my, you know, I don't have the same feelings towards, you know, being black or, you know, biracial. Uh, I'm, you know, being biracial in the same way because I always felt like, my trauma came from my manhood and masculinity. So at school, I hung out mostly with, you know, females, sports, like, what is a sport? <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I did soccer for maybe two terms. I did tennis. And um, I did these things because it was sort of like a bribe. My father was like, oh, I'll get you a new video game. Because I was also very much a hermit, like, PlayStation 2 and GameCube, that was the height of my gaming era. You know, I, I was teased a lot. Like they were, I was called gay from my very early years just because of the fact, because you know, you could be gay and still hang out with the guys and play sports. Like I always say, it's the ones, the quarterbacks who will be the first to lay on their back and flip their legs backwards. But anyways, that's <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's nor here nor there. So, but because, you know, I was softer, I was more effeminate. I was into Spice Girls. I, I would watch, I was a huge fan of the WWE. And, you know, I liked The Rock, Triple H. But then I also watched mostly because of Sable. And Trish Stratus. Shout out Trish Stratus. Let's go. Let's yeah. Go. So those were the reasons why I used to watch WWE. So from I guess the normal individual, I would be seen as very effeminate. And you know, what is my level of masculinity? So yeah, like that was mostly my experience growing up um in the Bahamas because it is very much uh um a toxic masculinity culture in the Bahamas. It's very hyper-masculine in the Bahamas. It's like, uh, I would say, we have this quote that we say in the Bahamas that's very stock-like in man. Um, and whether they mean it literally or figuratively, it just means, you know, stop being gay. <laughs> like, you know, and it's very much like that today. I mean, it's a little bit more accepting, I, I must admit. Yeah, I mean, thank you for just sharing your story. Like, so... So incredible. You're a great storyteller too. I mean, it's what you do for, for your work as well. Right. And, and oh so <laughs> I think uh, what I heard there is a lot of mixed messages, right? Like is getting mm -hmm. a lot of information from different places, whether it's the society around you, whether it's the media culture, uh, whether it's your family, right? There's a lot of messages that are coming in and they're often saying different things. So how did you sift through that as, as a young person? And, and maybe what's some of like the work or progress you've had to do for yourself in order to clarify some of those messages around, you know, whether it's your sexuality, manhood, masculinity, your identity broadly, like what have you had to do there? Hearing you say that back to me, since I'm getting all these influences, whether feminine, masculine, 
but I decided to go down more of a, what interests me more was more feminine things. So am I saying that it was a choice to be more that way? That's very controversial if you think about it. But for me, I think it just, I felt who I was um, because I'll be honest. Um, I feel like children have an innate sexuality. And I know that sounds, woo, woo, don't say that children and sexuality. But I remember because even then in my earlier years before, like I was more closer with the girls, I got invited over to sleepovers with the boys. And I remember at age like six or seven, having a crush on one of the boys. So, I mean, never acted on it. Um, I didn't do anything. I didn't even accept my sexuality fully um, until I was 19 out of high school. And I didn't do anything for the first time until I was 21. So I guess in most cases, I'm a late bloomer. But I had crushes on girls, but I need to, like, even there was a Greek girl <laughs> in high school. I remember in assembly, she won the award for, like, first place in home economics in front of the whole high school when they announced her name I got up and did a standing ovation the only person so I had crushes on girls but then thinking back it was like why did I have crushes on girls and then I remembered the girls that I had crushes on fit an aesthetic that I found so appealing because you know I always had this obsession with the supermodels like I love Naomi Campbell I love Giselle Bunchen, um, Carolina Krakova and it's like why did I have such a fascination, um, you know, was it because I wanted to be with these women intimately? I think being very X-rated here, I've kissed girls, I've fingered girls before, but I, you know, I think I stopped there. So am I still considered a golden gay? Um, I think I am, but it's just like all these questions that I still don't have the answer to as to why. Is it like, did I like these girls because I wanted to be like these girls and or did I like them because I actually had a, an attraction to them so these are questions that I do ask myself for the most part like I've always like even in high school I would deny 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 that I was gay but I would always say that I'm just a soft male like I'm just I'm not I might not be your man but um I'm my own type of man that's right so, what you just said I think is the whole point of this season is to, to showcase to the world that I, there's lots of different types of men, right? There's lots of different, there's a, it's a spectrum ultimately, right? And, and same goes with sexuality, same goes with like how you feel about being a man, same goes about what you think a man should do in the world, like all those things like is on a spectrum. And I think the, the thing is that we're trying to help people understand is that like, you can be all of these things and it'll be okay. And you can still be a man. Or if you don't want to identify as that, that's also fine too. Like ultimately just trying to open people's minds to being okay with however people want to see and identify themselves because it is for them. Something I always think about as far as like masculinity and whatnot, because I did grow up in the Bahamas and that has been my experience. Like, although I'm placed in an environment like New York and you and I have spoken about this before, I still have very much a lot of conservative values. And it's a reason why there are a lot of um, conservative public figures in the media that I, I just can't hate them because it's like, you think I'm bad? Because I remember they're there, I mean, or you think they're bad? Like, wait, like come back to our country because it's so interesting. I just saw on social media, somebody posted a meme and every, and people 
it stated along the line something like you um west indian caribbean people they are anti they're misogynist they're anti-women's rights they're anti-lgbtq they're um um they're pro-life they are what else did it say it says basically uh, they just have a lot of conservative values the law is the law and so it's giving very much and then it has a whole like um grid of like republicans and it's just very interesting because i remember they did a mock um election back home some people did a poll on the blogs when during the 2016 or right after the 2016 election and guess who came out on top trump yeah you would think that a majority black country you know they all voted trump it's because the main uh, that's coming from uh a Christian nation, uh, which is such such hypocritical nonsense, in my opinion, because it's like, oh, we are Christians in this sense, but everything else is like, you know, sweethearting, as, as they would call it, which is infidelity and all these different things that are anti, you know, Christian, but they just um, hold on to those values. So yeah, I say all that to say, like, you know, I'm still influenced by that. And I do have conservative values. And and that influences me in the way that I even present myself. How do those values influence you and in how you present yourself? And then also, this is probably more so for me knowing you, but I do want you to explain to the audience as well. It's like, even when you look in into like love interests and partners, it influences you as well. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about both of those things? How it influences me is my presentation. Um, you know, every once in a while, I like to wear a nice print or a bright, bold color, <laughs> but I have yet to reach that level. Like th- these will not be painted. And if I do get a manicure, which is on a very rare occasion, um, I will um, do a, a nude or a clear coat. Um, just, I wear pants. I, I, I mean, wearing a dress, I just, I just don't see that for myself even in the way like just coming from the Bahamas even little things about the way you walk and I'm going to be honest I'm guilty of it (laughs) you know you know people have so many different types of walks and if it's more of a a switch you know we laugh at men who have who walk a certain way and I sometimes find myself like if I see a man walking a certain way or you know I remember seeing a guy walking down Fifth Avenue who had braids down to here and literally swoosh swoosh, swoosh. Mm-hmm. and I was that ass yes and I was like mm-hmm, get a girl but even myself I have a bit of a switch in my walk and people tell me about it but I also have a bit of a behind so I have to you know explain <laughs> what I got so <laughs> there's that um so yeah it influences me in the way that I I and I honestly I wish I was that brave because I can't be a, a spokesperson for the entire community, the LGBTQ community, because I'm just not there yet. I wish I could be that guy who could be like, I don't give a fuck, but I'm not. I do care because of where I came from, how I how my parents raised me. I have to carry myself a certain way. And that's very important to me. I'm not gonna come out here in a thong in public and have it above my um, denim and having John Q. Public looking at me. I just don't want to give get. I like. I do like attention, but for things that I choose to want attention for, not for things that you know to be criticized and chastised for. Um, 
And then also you asked me about my choices in male. So here is also where there's the conservative and then the more liberal just coming together to clash because you've known what my love interests have been. And there have been guys who are straight down the middle. They give you a little, they give you a little David Bowie, they give you a little Lenny Kravitz, they give you a little Prince, where it's like, um, and that I think honestly, that's my ideal. Like originally, I like the Obama type, which is not saying Obama is of the community, but just saying how he presents, just very clean cut, very preppy. Like you walk into a place you would never suspect that he was anything but just a regular heterosexual man. Oh, sorry. Sorry to say regular and heterosexual and the same. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying like, that's usually what I would go for. But, you know, after being with them for some time, I get bored. But I always am attracted to like guys like Lucas Sabat, like just guys who are a little bit more liberal in the way that they present themselves. I think there's power in that. Yeah, you kind of mentioned that, right? That like, it's not who you are, but there's versions of that that you wish you could be. So it is like a bit of an attraction there. Exactly. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, so it's maybe I'm seeing things that, oh, they're brave. That that pulls me in, that attracts me because I, I just think like, like you look at someone like Prince, like people speculated if he was gay all his career because of the things that he did and the way he presented himself. And I just, but he was still such a powerful man and he commanded respect. And I think that's the most attractive thing to me. If you have a physically attractive male who can walk that line of masculinity and femininity and still have command respect of the public. Like I, if you hear me speaking, I keep talking about the public, the public. So there's a part of me that does care what the public thinks. And that's why I present myself like I would be a liar if I sat here and be like, oh, I don't give a F about what everybody says. No, that's not true. The guys that I look for are usually like they they're they do well in the corporate field. They can put on a suit, uh, a three piece suit and look as strong and masculine as the rest of them. But during the summer, they can go out and wear a crop top and still kill it. And so I like the versatility of it all. I'll say that when I hear versatility, when I hear uh you know, middle ground, when I hear, you know, Shabu asking you about all these influence, which makes you feel uncertain, it just feels like you live in this middle spectrum where sometimes you go, you lean towards one side and sometimes you lean towards another and you should be able to do all of those things and it'd be fine. Right. And I actually absolutely believe, I believe everybody is on a spectrum. Um, well, I first learned about the Kinsey scale in college. Um, uh, Watch that. I loved it. I, I, have you guys uh, heard about Kinsey? No, I have not. So Kinsey, um, I think, is it Liam Neeson who plays him in the, the movie? I, we watched it, but um, Kinsey, his last name, he was, uh, I think, a sex scientist, I believe. What he developed was the Kinsey scale. So basically at one end, you had heterosexual and the other end, you had homosexual. And everybody falls somewhere in between, whether you fall all the way to one end or the other end, but everybody falls somewhere. And um, I believe there is such thing as something like the Kinsey scale for like, you know, masculinity and femininity. So I, on that, when it comes to masculinity and femininity, I think I fall masculine, feminine. I think I probably fall right here. Like there's the middle point, maybe 
you know, that point area where the feminine is. So, you know, there's a little bit more. So Chet, you, you've talked an awful lot about culture, right? And how that's influenced you, like specifically, like whether it's uh, movies or TV shows or other like cultural things that are happening as cues for understanding manhood and masculinity, right? And, and this is actually where your work, where your professional life focuses, right? Like you are somebody who is a commentator on culture and pop culture right. and all these things, right? So I'm wondering from your perspective, like, what do you think are some of the social cues or ideas that culture is giving us today about manhood and masculinity? Well, and that was uh, something that I touched on earlier is that's why I think it's so different because, you know, when I was a child watching TV, there could be a commercial that said boys will be boys and promote that, um, you know, that way of thinking. But a few years ago, the commercial came out, I think it was a Gillette commercial or something like that. And they had a bunch of boys wrestling with each other. And it was like, boys will be boys. And that caused a huge amount of uproar. And then <clears throat> I think now there is this push that is allowing men to be a little bit softer, but you know, more traditional people uh, with traditional ideas think it's an agenda and think that, oh, we're trying to influence our children and trying to make them weak and softer when all it is, is I feel the media is doing their part in, you know, saying it's okay to be a way that has always been around, but it's just never been highlighted as the ideal way of being. So those are some of the social cues. I mean, you see drag race on TV now. Like I could, I mean, we had two Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, which is one of my absolute faves movies. Um, Patrick um, Swayze, uh, John Leguizamo, <laughs> um, Wesley Snipes. And that came out in the 90s. And I think that was like the beginning, RuPaul. But I mean, now you have RuPaul's Drag Race. There's going to be a drag competition on ABC um, coming out next, I think, in January in the winter. And I was like, you don't ever think that these things would be on network te television in prime time. So I think, you know, people could call it an agenda, but I do think like media is allowing these things to, you know, and the media is a lot of what raises people. That whole conversation drives me absolutely bonkers because you could look at it as like an agenda or you could look at it as inclusivity to mm -hmm. the different types of people that exist in the world, right? And I think you, you, you touched on it. Like it is, we are just uncovering the number of different ways people live their life and now saying, okay, we know this, this exists. So let's put something on TV that speaks to this type of person. Right. And, and that's, right. that's kind of generally how I see it. Um, mm -hmm. What the hell is the agenda? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the, the agenda? I, if it, what, in, if from a media perspective, the agenda is to like, to get away from anything that is not cisgender, heterosexual, Puritan way of living in this society. Anything that deviates away from that, um, that that's the agenda. Folks that believe that are so triggered by the little advances that we make, knowing that they still have the power and the influence at great at great lengths, right? There's no, 
and I guess that's just what it is. When when things are a changing, people they probably tap the echo chamber like a lot louder, right? The reason why I'm able to understand this is because a lot of the people that I love in my life are very much of that cisgender um, heterosexual mentality and their conservative views. And I guess the way that it's looked at is, like I told you, like growing up, I I still hold on to some of these conservative values because someone said to me recently and it really spoke to me and they said to me your personality and your desires don't line up talking about you specifically yeah that's what they said to me and that made me realize like hey so you know I like a prince type guy but then I have these conservative values so it's like or it's like the example they gave to me is like, I say, I don't like people around me. Like I can't be around the same person for too long, but then I want children. And it's like, how can you be like that? And then you want children. So your personality and your desires don't line up. And I go off topic to bring, to come back on topic to say, I guess the way that cis, a lot of cisgender heterosexual men feel is that maybe what they've known, this way of living, this you know traditional way of life is what they know, what's been ingrained in them, but maybe they do have desires to live a bit more of a liberal lifestyle and any sort of thing that is different from what they've been taught helps them to realize the truth about themselves, which they don't. Because I remember, you know, when I went to confirmation classes um, at church at age 13, and I just remember, you know, feeling the feelings of liking guys and whatnot. And I remember during one of the classes I went up to our father I mean our pastor and we had to get on our knees and confess our sins and I remember shaking because our pastor um was very open and understanding but I started shaking because I knew I had that feeling in me so I was like breaking down and he knew how I felt and so he didn't even let me say my sins he just moved on to the next person because I literally my voice was shaking and I feel like that's how a lot of supposed straight guys are. They, they, I, they come across as straight masculine, but they have other desires. And if you start to introduce these ideas, then it's like, oh shit, everything that I've known, that I've kept up for so long, the walls are gonna come breaking down and I can't dare let anybody find out the truth about me because everybody that I love, the world that I've built up around me, thinks this way that is totally opposite of how I might truly feel about myself. Dad, you, you know, earlier talked about um, your dad and your brother, and you mentioned them as these guys that you look up to, right? Mm -hmm. And over the course of our conversation here, you've also identified like some areas where perhaps your dad was challenging, offered up some ideas of manhood and masculinity that are problematic or, or confusing or however you want to identify, to create challenges, right? And you've also identified that like, while there are some ideas of manhood masculinity have been helpful, like some have been really challenging, stifling. So like, I'm wondering like, what, like, what is it you've had to do for yourself now in your adulthood to be able to continue to move towards living a life that feels more fully expressed, right? And, and I ask that because I think that there are probably a lot of people out there, specifically men, because we're talking about people who identify as men here, that probably feel that too, right? That feel some version of like, I don't feel fully expressed because of, you know, this person who was an example in my life. And yet I also know that they're kind of problematic or like 
there are these ideas of manhood and masculinity that are supportive while are really destructive, right? So what's some of the work that you've done in order to like move forward in your life? But I would say that independence, like getting older, being able to be responsible for myself and not living under the same roof as somebody else, that gives me the con um, confidence. Because as I said earlier, um, the only two men that I truly look up to um, and want to be like sort of are my is my father and my brother. You know, while I admire other men, those are the only two. And I think that also has to do with, you know, them being my actual blood relatives. Um, but what I also realize is for me, I've always marched to the beat of my own drum. You know, luckily for me, like, you know, from a very young age, I was teased that I was different. You know, even in school, I was always the oldest, even though I looked the same age or younger, I was always the oldest. So I've never felt that I fit in. I never felt that I was one of or one of the guys, one of the crew. I've never been like a click even. And that's where a lot of people come to me and say that I can be very divisive is because all my closest friends are not friends with each other. Like they're, they know each other because of me, but I am friends individually with them. So that has always helped me because I know that I have always been my own person being able to be independent, being able to support myself financially. And I know that might sound so crazy. And I heard uh, a quote from Lucy Liu, um, you know, it's like working hard so you can have fuck you money. So basically, it, it, you know, basically, you know, so it's like you get into situations or anything where you have to basically, you know, quote unquote, sell your soul or give up on your morals. And it's like, no, I don't have to put up with this. So fuck you, I got my money. And I think that has helped me. And as crazy as that sounds, having your own sort of financial freedom or just freedom mentally or whatever, that empowers me to be who I want to be. Not to quote the great Beyonce, but the only person that I compete with is myself. And while I could probably be a lot further ahead in a lot of things in my life, you know, I don't ever worry about what somebody else is doing. Chet, thank you so much for joining us here on the Men Up podcast. Appreciate thank you, you to both of you. You two have an amazing day. This was fun. This is my first podcast ever. I feel awesome. Oh, was it really? Hey! Yeah. hey. Nice. Yes. Look at that. Uh-huh. This is a great experience. But yeah, thank you to you both. The Men Up podcast is a Grin and Bear production. The soundtrack is courtesy of Mike McGinley Music and visual artwork by Viotti Design Studio. Video clips from each episode are edited by Joe Oliveri. The executive producer and editor on the Men Up podcast is me, Christian Shabu. You can listen to us every week on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or by visiting themenup.com.